0: Welcome to Primer, a podcast that gets you closer to the heart of the matter. As you may know, the Primer is a small cap at the base of ammunition that when struck by a firing pin goes bam. It ignites the gunpowder and sends the bullet downrange. The point of the podcast is like that, to get you going in the right direction quickly by briefly tackling a variety of subjects like books, people, events, issues, whatever. After listening, if you want to take it further, you can. Episodes and more information can be found at personalprimer.com. Welcome to the Primer Podcast, everyone, uh, where we dig into important ideas with interesting people, all to hopefully spark your interest and your thinking. I'm Charlie Thornton, and today we're going to be talking about the great books. You remember those ones? The ones you were afraid of in school? That's That's what we're going to talk about. Before we get to that, though, if you like what you hear here today... Uh, please leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. We're trying to get the word out to have more thoughtful conversations about the really important stuff in our culture. Okay, in this episode, I talked with a guy named Scott Hembrick, who is the founder of OnlineGreatBooks.com. And Scott is not an academic, but he really loves these books, these texts, and he's created a really cool way for regular people like you and me to approach some of the great works that have shaped our culture. I think he's doing some really cool stuff. I hope you'll enjoy it. Let's take a listen. Well, So what we're here to talk about today are great books. Yeah. So you're, you're with an organization called the online great books. And um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you got into this uh, and, and have that whole conversation. So let's um, let's get started. Oh, you changed your background. Awesome. Yeah. So let's, let's kick it off with like the, the most obvious question. Um, What are the great books?
1: Oh man, that's always the question, right? Well, the great books are mostly not debatable, right? I mean, there are books that are very, very important to, um, you know, to, to, There are books that have been very, very important in in developing the way the West deals with problems of truth and reality and science and virtue and most of those books i don't think um would be very debatable i think that almost everybody would say oh well uh, the dialogues of plato have got to be in there right aristotle Mm -hmm. has got to be in there shakespeare has got to be in there so most people don't disagree very much about most of them but there are some books maybe on the fringes you know do you put freud in there i don't know you know you can argue about some of those titles um but for us at OnlineGreatBooks.com, they are the books that are uh, part of the great conversation. And, and it's an emergent list. So it's not a list that someone set, that a bunch of guys sat around in a room and smoked cigars and debated about you know, who gets to make the cut and who doesn't. It's not like fantasy football. Okay. Like for example, if you, read, if you did read Freud, if you picked up Freud, for example, he would say something about Nietzsche. And you might say something about Kant and the categorical imperative. So if you cared, you'd need to go read some Nietzsche, you know. And then he would definitely say something more about Kant and Schopenhauer and Aristotle. And that would lead you to go read those guys. And then they, in turn, would mention, you know, I don't know, Machiavelli maybe, or Mm. uh, get you back. Aristotle, Plato, and then you read that, and sure enough, you read Aristophanes is in Plato's uh, Symposium. He's a character in the Symposium. Well, who is this guy? He wrote plays. You'd go read his plays, and you end back at Homer. So the list is sort of self-evident because these people that have written these books have referred to each other and, um, and really fought about these important questions for about 3,000 years. And so most of these books are answers to questions that earlier earlier uh participants in the conversation have brought up you know aristotle is very much an answer uh to plato his teacher and um and so they kind of of form like this this foundation
0: that so many other great works just kind of reach back to
1: yeah yes and you know for some for some reason uh foolish people right now are debating about (laughs) You know, the, 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 the value of them um, and, I mean, them as a whole, the canon as a whole, like, I'm certainly willing to debate about whether or not, you know, an individual text, you know, Hobbes' Leviathan, maybe, you know, I, I'm certainly willing to debate, um, you know, the value of something, an individual text, but there is yeah. no question in my mind that, that there are, is a set of very important books that has helped the West become what it is. And uh, to throw that out is uh, a very dangerous move, but there seem to be a lot of, uh, frankly, very stupid people that want to do that right now. Fans of that right now. Interesting. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'll,
0: I'll share a little bit of my own experience. So I went to what is regarded as a a very good university, right? Northwestern university. And um, really it wasn't necessarily their fault, but I, I didn't know what courses to take and there was no curriculum laid out for me. So I sort of randomly took a bunch of courses as I went through my college experience at the, at the end of which, you know, I had a, a really good experience and I learned some things, but just a few years ago, I started looking back and I felt like there was a real gap in my, in my education. Sure. Um, because I hadn't read, except in high school, I hadn't read any of these sort of foundational works. And so a few years ago, I, I kind of started a journey and like I'm very early in this journey, but you can see some of the ones, ones behind me. I took a, a nine-week uh, course that took me only about two years to finish and worked through you know, some, some of the ones at least to start with. Um, yeah, and, and part of it, you know, as I look at my experience, I certainly could have and should have done more, um, but part of me asks why. Why wasn't this path clearer? You know why? Why was it? Why was why would it have had to be something that I stitched together on my own? Whereas some of my other friends at other universities, you know, this was more of a a known track that it, even if it wasn't required for everyone, it was there if you wanted it. You know what I mean? Sure.
1: Yeah, I, I went to the University of Oklahoma in the early 90s. I have a microbiology background, and you know, I think I got a good... It's a, it's actually not an education. What I got wasn't an education. They call it STEM, you know. It's actually training. Mm-hmm. Um, Was it good training? A, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I think um, um, an education is something that's much more broader and fits us more for life than for particular skills, but I know, because of you know modern society, industrialization, and so on, um, we've just got to specialize. You know, we've just got to niche down. If you're gonna if you're gonna be a quote unquote productive person and um, you know a contributor to the economy, so to the point that you can get paid, you've just mm-hmm. got you've got to receive some very specialized training. And um, I can't remember exactly how many hours were in my degree plan but man, I I had very, very few opportunities for electives. You know, I had to take biochemistry and three calculus classes and organic chemistry and physical chemistry and blah, 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 blah. I mean, my schedule was full and there was no room in that training for this sort of liberal arts education. And, and, uh, you know, you ask why, why, why does that happen? And, you know, I think it's just a consequence of modernity. You can go read mm. some folks like John Dewey who wrote about you know, how we were gonna have to, around the turn of the 20th century, how we were gonna have to change education because the world had changed. And uh, by golly, those people have done that. And so you end up, we end up with millions of us like me who get a good education. You know, Maybe we've got engineering background, maybe it's nursing, uh, you know, maybe you're a, a HVAC technician. And excellent at what you do, but we don't have that sort of liberal arts education. You know, liberal, liberal, uh, and uh, shares a root with liberty. You know, it's it, liberal, mm-hmm. liberal education is the education that befits free people. And uh, maybe that's why we don't get that too. But uh, we, it's most people get to adulthood. And, you know, they're mid thirties without having access. Well, they have access to it, but without having taken those, those um, kinds of courses and that kind of responsibility on. And and those are the people who are at online great books, you know, they're they're nurses, they're homeschool moms, they're HVAC guys, they're welders, they're engineers. And I'm like, we didn't get this. It's filling that gap. um, yeah, and they feel somewhere around 32, 33, 34 years old, these people are, become aware of that hole and they want to fill it. And, and that's why I started the, the business. Interesting. Just help
0: them do that. I mean, that was certainly my experience. Um, so what's what's it like, why should we go back and look at these things if we haven't? Like, What, what, what are we missing out? What good things are we missing if we, if we let this cannon pass us by? And we're just a little well, bit more focused on training.
1: Well, you know, you got to have training, right? Like, you, you know, you need to know how to use the stove so you can cook dinner. You know, There's a certain amount of training sure. that's necessary. Uh, but if we want to, if we want to live the good life, you know, uh, you know, Plato tells us that uh, the, uh, the the examined life is the life worth living for, for a man, you know, we, we need to, we need to learn to examine life and, and, um, And these books teach us how to do that. Um, Nobody's better at teaching people how to examine life than Socrates. And we've got, I don't know, 1800 pages of Socrates' dialogues that Plato wrote for us that we can go read. And we can see this man. We can not see, but we can read uh, stories about Socrates walking around in the marketplace and just talking to his acquaintances about the most important things in life. You know, one of my favorite dialogues, they're all my favorites, they're like children, you know, you can't, you can't pick one. But, but, but one that I think that if you haven't read any Plato, I think one that you should probably start with is the Meno, M-E-N-O. And in the Meno, some friends walk up to Socrates and they say, hey man, we have noticed that our leaders aren't very good. So we've been wondering, can virtue be taught? and then socrates being socrates says wait a minute we can't even talk about that yet we got to figure out what virtue is first right so he models hmm. for us you know how to deal with an important problem and uh, and you know and figuring out what virtue is may be the most important problem and, and and you see it right there in mino in the first like two or three paragraphs of the mino uh, they tackle it and um uh, Socrates is really good at leaving you unfulfilled, uh, but, that's, but that's part of the point. But he shows us how to do that. So when you watch television or uh, you know, wherever you get your news and you see someone screaming about social justice, your inner Socrates, after you have this training, says, "Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we figure out how to bring that about, we have to determine what justice is. Right. Before I pick up the brick and throw it, I have yeah. to know what justice is. And, in, and once you've done this work for, you know, in earnest for months or years, you realize that almost every single argument that we see in the public sphere has run past itself. Like, we don't know what justice is. Right, we're arguing about how to bring it about, but nobody has commensurate d- definitions of what justice is. Nobody even agrees on what it is, and nobody's even almost no one has even declared what they even think it is. So we we continue to have arguments that are like third and fourth order arguments. We haven't even settled the basics. And uh, you know, Justice yeah. teaches us right away. It's and so, so it's quickly like disabuses you of having really any opinions. <laughs> yeah, and so
0: it just becomes this issue where we're just talking past each other. And we don't even, yeah. well, I guess we don't even really have a common language
1: to no, some that's, extent. That's, that's for sure. And it's not no. just talking past each other. We also, if you're not careful, we'll just kind of think past yourself instead of talking past, you know, Charlie over here, mm-hmm. you know, I can just twist off on notions of justice and what I, you know, and, and, uh, and harp about political change without ever really nailing down what precisely justice is. And uh, the Republic, Plato's Republic, is just is is just about that. And uh, you know, you go read that, and you see people way smarter than us wrestle that out to the nth degree, and it's astounding. Um, and it changes the way you look at the world. You know, the um, our founding fathers couldn't have written that Constitution that we've gotten uh, without having thought about all these issues at length. And they were you know and we know we, we know that Jefferson and Madison and all these men had had read these things you know you can go to you can go to Colonial Williamsburg and go to George Wyatt's house and see the table they set out when they argued about Plato's Republic when but when they were going to William and Mary College there in the in the mid 1700s got it they did it and but, and but so even though say- that after me doing this that i do and doing this stuff that we all do at online great books um you know you can read the declaration of independence and uh, it, and you see references in there in, to natural rights but they don't make a proof of the natural rights
0: it's referencing something that was explained previously in this canon
1: oh i don't think so no (laughs) i think they pulled that i i yeah i don't think so um but they they don't they don't show their work there and and that's fine you know sometimes we have to have you know bedrocks you know axioms that we really can't prove or we or that we believe are self-evident and move from there sometimes we can't show our math like um yeah interesting it's more stuff out of these books you know aristotle in his book metaphysics talks about you know you know, how far do you have to reduce, you know, where do you, how far, how low do you have to go when you start building an argument, you know, and uh, so these guys talk about that stuff, and so once you've read them, and anybody can do it, you know, and everybody ought to do it, once you've read it, and you've taken it seriously, and you've taken your time, and you've discussed them with other people, and you've been critical, it just changes the way you see everything, you know, I'm just like a redneck from Oklahoma, but (laughs) I've worked on this stuff for years and yeah and uh, yeah it's 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 changed me
0: so you just said anybody can do it um yeah let's let's talk a little bit about that because i think some people crack these books open and they're hard and they're they, they are yeah so so what's is is that a translation issue is it a modernity issue where we're just not used to Reading like this, I mean, what are I think there are some hurdles? It's a little bit easier to pick up Harry Potter than metaphysics, right? Um, <laughs> oh, me- listen,
1: metaphysics is brutal, okay? Um, all right, good. So, I'm not feeling yeah, So, when I oh, it's brutal now. When I was, uh, I don't know, like a late junior high kid, I picked up a copy of of um, Plato's Republic. I thought, I'll read this thing. You know, I've heard of this. I'll read this thing. And I, yeah. I cracked it open and I tried it. And it just, I'm not going to say it was incomprehensible because the, the Republic, it reads pretty well, but, but it just eluded me, you know? And over the years, I had tried it several times and, and hadn't really gotten hold of it. I'd tried some Descartes and some other things as well. And, and then finally, um, I just started with Homer, and read the Iliad, and then I read the Odyssey, and then I picked up the Greek tr- great plays and uh, read Aeschylus, Sophocles, blah blah blah, and I just went and I just read them in chronological order, and w- and in doing that, and in doing that, uh, I, I was encountering the books in in the same order that people who were writing as part of this great conversation encountered them in, right? Like, Plato, Plato knew the Odyssey and the Iliad yeah they he hung around with aristophanes he went to uh plays you know so i i then at least share in some of the stuff that these guys already knew you know i'm scaffolding up in these in this in this great conversation at just like they are and and i I find that that helps. I, find, I found that mm-hmm. that helped enormously. So don't I great books You know, we read them in chronological order. If you go to college, they typically don't in, in do right, something right. like this and in university. They don't do that. Like they will typically do like a, uh, we're just going to read about justice. You know, they'll read the Republic and they'll read, uh, maybe, um, uh, uh, maybe Aristotle's politics. And then maybe you'll read the little Hobbes or something, maybe a little Hume, whatever. And you just make this big survey across time. And, you know, when you're going to university and you have time restraints, constraints, you know, that's probably a good way to do it. But I think doing them in order like this is a big, big help. Oh, that's cool. That makes sense. Uh, and also, you know, we, we, we have to spend a lot of time. We don't have to, but we do spend a lot of time trying to get our new members to be kind to themselves and to remember that there are no grades. You know, this is where the university you know, there are no grades. there is no test, right? We do this, we do this for our own purposes. We are grown ass people. Uh, and we do this for our own purposes. And um, knowing that there's no test, and that you don't have to read it in a certain way or at a certain pace to please the instructor really takes a lot of sh- stress off of people. Yeah. And, uh, and we just ask them to read 30 minutes a day, six days a week. And by and by, we read a lot of material and, and anybody can do it. Another thing that makes these, you know, you ask about, you know, what are the great books? Another thing about them that makes them great is that they are so accessible. Except for Kant and except for the metaphysics, Aristotle. <laughs> but most, all of them have something in there for anyone, you know, uh, Uh, A 14-year-old can read the Iliad, and it's just an awesome action adventure. But, um, you know, an Iraq war vet or an ER nurse is going to have a much different experience of of that book. It's multifaceted, and it's super deep, and it it will meet you at your level. Well, let's talk talk about that because it's, on the one hand, it's sort of
0: easy to, to sit back and say, you know, the universities aren't doing enough to To get, to get these great books in front of people, the, maybe the way that they did before. I, I think that's 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 a fair statement, right? Like that's something that you might hear somebody say. But right. for for me personally, when I started reading through these books, and I haven't haven't done your program, it's it's really interesting. But when I started reading these books, there was, you know, I I read Dante's Inferno when I was thirty five years old which is exactly how old he is when he's writing it. Um, I think there was a lot of value in that and to be able to read it at a pace that wasn't dictated by some professor on a schedule where you have to read an ungodly amount that you can't possibly really digest or focus on. And as I was reading it, I just thought, you know, uh, I don't know what I would have thought when I was 19. I really didn't know anything, you know? So what have you found with people coming to these books maybe a little bit later than we, maybe, maybe than that previous generations did?
1: Well, I think it's actually probably good. Um, You know, you you said earlier that, you know, Harry Potter was maybe more accessible. And I I was talking to a friend about writing for business purposes a number of years ago. And he says, well, you know, you've got to, you've got to write at an eighth grade level. you know, know, we've heard this, right, about brevity and writing at the eighth grade level and so on, but there are some ideas, there are some ideas that can't, that the normal eighth grader can't communicate, right, like the eighth grade consciousness isn't complex enough, frankly, to deal with all the problems that we have in front of us, and it I, I think it takes a certain amount of life experience and getting your ass kicked to really get what you need to get out of these books uh, aristotle in um i think it's in the ethics i think he says that you shouldn't even teach anybody philosophy until they're like in their late 20s because hmm. uh, you're just spinning your wheels um it's not that's not to say that I don't think a 16 year old ought to read, ought not to read the uh, Aristotle's politics, but, um, you've got to understand that, that their experience of that is going to be much different, um, than, than it would be if you're 35 and you're opening Dante for the first time as opposed to, you know, some 20 year old that's doing it. Yeah. Uh, I think that if you, um, force young people, to tackle these things too early, well, actually, if you force anybody to do it, if you force anybody to do it, it's going to put them off of it, and they'll probably never come back. Yeah, uh, you know, so there there are a number of things, right? So you know, are they ready? Uh, do they have a large enough fund of knowledge and a you know, large enough scope of experience to actually you know take the book in and you know incorporate it into themselves? Uh, and then, and then also, you know, is it just too early? Are they not ready? Do they not want to? You know, are you gonna are you gonna put them off big ideas? Are you gonna put them off wrestling big ideas? Um, because they've got a quiz on Friday, and you keep hitting them over the head with it. Uh, but you know, people in their people in their thirties, late twenties, and in their thirties, man, they start getting really hungry for this. You know, they've made their way the house. They got. The house is comfortable, you know, maybe they're married, maybe they got a kid on the ground, yeah. got some distance between them and university and they started to evaluate where they are in the world and they start being pretty hungry for this. I know I, I know what I know I was and, and am. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get from, you know,
0: your degree in, what did you say, microbiology?
1: Microbiology background. Yeah.
0: So microbiology too. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to help people read (laughs) books that
1: are really, really old. Right. Well, I've got, I've got two daughters and my wife was, uh, teach, was teaching kindergarten at the kind of snotty, you know, private prep school, K through 12 prep school here in Tulsa. And the daughters were both going, uh, we're both going to school there and they were getting tra- one of the, <laughs> one of the bad things about these supposed good private schools is that school isn't, doesn't necessarily equal education, you know, fish hang out in schools. And so do kids. It's not really about education necessarily. It's about, it's about training to p- participate in a certain kind of a game. And uh, I I increasingly think that the game that they're participating in isn't the right one anymore. Um, if you think that you're going to go to the right school and go to get the right degree and get the job and fight to keep it and then retire, I think that that is becoming a longer and longer shot than it was. So so they're they're really good at helping people play that game. And I was talking to my kids, and I realized that there was just a whole bunch of stuff they didn't know. And they were in middle school that I thought they should. And we, we pulled them out and homeschooled them. We pulled them out and decided we were going to homeschool the kids. I don't really like homeschool because we don't do school. We don't have a bell. They don't sit up at the top of the hour and then sit down after a five-minute break, right? We don't stand in line. We don't do school. We did home education. And once I, we decided to do that, well, then I had to figure out how to do that, you know? And... Um, I decided that after quite a bit of research, I felt this decided I, I loved the trivium, the three classical liberal arts, grammar, logic, and rhetoric, and felt like they needed to, no, I didn't feel like it. I believed that they needed to study that. But me being as old as I was, I knew I had missed that. And I knew I didn't have time running a business and all the things that I was doing to go study Latin. So I decided that I needed to remediate my education, you know, and, uh, I found Mortimer Adler's Great Books of the Western World program and decided that I would start a Great Books group in my home. Guys, um, because that to me that looked like a great way for an adult, a busy adult, to to fill some of those holes. And I started a group. That group's been meeting almost six for almost six years on the third Thursday in my, uh, of each month in my house. And uh, uh, all the guys love it, and we've been reading together, like I said, for almost six years, and about three and a half, four years ago, one of the guys in my group is Brett McKay, the art of manliness guy. And, uh, he's like, Hey, Hambrick, you really need to, you really need to find a way to do this on online for everybody. I was like, well, I don't need another business. He's like, yeah, you, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. So got to work on that and, uh, and kicked that off and. uh, January of 2018. So we've been re- operating a little over three years. We've just got thousands of people, just regular folks, you know, truck drivers, welders, physicians, attorneys, retired people, homeschool moms, nurses, reading these books. And we ship a book right to their house. We give them reading goals every week. And then once a month, they go to a seminar and discuss these things in a Socratic s- seminar. That's led by one of um, One of my h- seminar hosts. And, um, like the, you know the biggest uh, biggest book club it's just a yep, massive book yep, club yep. Yeah. it's not a book club it's not a book club because not we, a book we, we it's not a book club you know a book club you know you drink wine and you talk about whatever it was on <laughs> over list. you can tell i've never been a, to a book club so that's that's probably yeah, why. all right but, but we do seminar you know where Good. we we um where there's a seminar host who acts the part of socrates he's he he's going to Apply the Socratic method to you. We're going to engage in dialectic. Well, what that means is there's a guy in there or a gal who's going to ask you the hard questions about the text, and we're going to we're going to we're going to direct a conversation around the text in the hopes of bringing in the consciousness of everybody in the room to bear on the problems of the text. You know, uh, Saint John's College is one of the great books colleges in the country. It's probably the best one, and they say that the close reading of difficult text is actually done in seminar. It's not when it's you alone with a light bulb in the book and a cup of coffee, it's when you actually bring what you've read and your questions to seminar, and you bring the consciousness of the group to bear on that problem, you know? And my God, they're right. Mm-hmm. So the close, the close reading is done in that seminar and our job is to help do that, is to help that seminar become that. You know, so you, so you, read, you hold the book and you look at the book and you can feel the book, and you can smell the book, doesn't make much noise, but you have a sensory experience of the book, and of course you read it, but when you go to seminar, that's when you actually talk about it and take action on what you've read, and we've found that the seminar not only just clarifies what's in the text a lot more for you, but it also increases reading comprehension enormously because you actually act on the thing that you've read. You know, I've read thousands of books, and most of them I read them, and then I've closed them, And then I put them on the shelf without having that action step, you know, where I enter into dialogue with other people, not in dialogue, dialectic with other people around that text. And the ones that I've talked about in seminar with others versus the ones I just finished and put on the shelf uh, are more a part of me than, than those I was passive with, you know. Uh, The seminar is the secret sauce, man. I'm telling you. Like, the books are cheap, right? You can go to a used bookstore and go pick up a copy of The Republic, a Signet Classics copy of The Republic, which ain't bad for a buck or two. But the seminar, the seminar is hard to get.
0: Yeah. Was
1: I just for for, the
0: the benefit of our audience and for the benefit of me, (laughs) Uh, what's the difference between dialogue and dialectic?
1: Well... Did I just, did I just, take, is, did we just
0: take a big left turn?
1: <laughs> uh, well, maybe we took a turn. Maybe. Okay. Maybe, maybe not. You know, a dialogue is normally a set piece, right? You go read a play and there's dialogue scripted out in there. It's a set piece uh, in dialectic dialectio, when to speak, the goal is to, the goal is to find the truth. So, you've probably you know you've heard of a syllogism probably you may be in geometry or maybe you've read a little aristotle or some logic where uh where you say something like all men are mortals mm-hmm. socrates is a mortal oh wait a minute socrates, is, man. Up. socrates is a man therefore, therefore socrates is right so if, if your two early premises are right and you put them in the correct order the conclusion is a deadlock certainty it's you know deductive reasoning it's perfect but there's a lot of truth claims that, that can't be verified like that. Like what is justice? What is love? What is virtue? You know, what's the best form of government. And you can use dialectic to help get to the truth in that. So, okay. um, Socrates, Socrates shows us how to do that. So typically you ask a bunch of splitting questions, make you pick sides. So Charlie, uh, is justice uh, the will of the stronger or is it the will of the weaker? Hmm. And those questions might seem absurd, but what you end up doing is you really can't necessarily validate a claim, but you can definitely rule out all the stuff that it ain't, mm-hmm. which sure is helpful. Because you know? if we're dealing with an abstraction, something that's highly conceptual, like virtue or love, or justice that's really the best we can do hmm. but that's what we do we we tend to do that kind of thing in uh, in seminar but but not always like i see you've got a copy of fagel's iliad there behind you mm-hmm. uh if i was going to lead a seminar on the iliad we probably that's not a work of philosophy it's not a work of you know it's not scientific writing uh but there's some, there's some heavy stuff in there so if I was your seminar as a host, I might would kick the thing off with saying, "All right, so you've read all six hundred pages of this thing. A lot of people have been bashed to the ground, and a lot of death. A lot of death. People <laughs> getting beat up with stones, and their armor rattling about their body as they crash to the ground. What is war? Well, it's pretty tough. I mean, like, what is it?" no man you gotta answer come on
0: oh i gotta answer it yeah what is war um war is a clash of two wills that that results in violence to 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 see who will blink first
1: hmm it's two wills could be more in this case that would be a duel does scale matter like if, if it's just me and you that's just two clowns like mad at each other yeah well
0: it helps it helps if the two people whose wills are in conflict are also kings or leaders of large groups of people
1: mm. so scale matter well, you say it helps you can't say that <laughs> like-
0: uh yeah yeah that 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 makes probably the difference between a, a duel I guess. Yeah, So, so if there, if, yeah, so scale are, would
1: matter, absolutely. Yeah, and, and then you say will, you know, uh, so it's the will of the leaders that, that dictate, because, you know, there are certainly people well, like, uh, like Achilles in the first, I don't know, 85, 90% of the books. You can't, by the way, you can't do spoilers on a 3,000-year-old book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, right
1: i don't know so yeah in the first, i mean if one 80, of our goals is to
0: get people to read this stuff scott
1: you better be careful here right yeah well he doesn't want to fight you know so where's his will in the thing you know so the you know whose will matters in a, in a war whose will matters because achilles did not matter like the show went on patroclus fights right. i mean they're everybody's fight i mean the war is yeah. on yeah and and, and there are n- numberless nameless people in there that are getting harmed and taking part in it too right right and it doesn't seem like will
0: uh i guess the the ones who are willing to to draw blood and not back down yeah yeah i get (laughs) i get the idea
1: you know but but it makes you you know if you if you do that if you do that dance about you know what is what is war and that's just one way to do the iliad i I don't know Mm -hmm. but asking a big question like that at the beginning of the seminar can just really can just open up the whole text like with that question there's nothing in the thing that i don't think that we could have eventually touched that was in the book um what is honor what role does man in uh, what's the role of man in the state and in, in war you know all those kinds of things can be touched on in there and then when when we ask those questions and we go back and forth you and I or whoever it is in the seminar and the seminar host and eventually after they get good at it the seminar host just kind of sits back and everybody does that to each other when you get done people remember the text better they've got a lot better idea about what they think about armed conflict and the the political. Yeah. I think of course you'll read it again in five years. uh, You'll continue to evolve as you do that. So I've been in, I've been in different groups that sort of have that.
0: I i guess the socratic method right where you're sort of constantly asking questions and and digging deeper and there's a little bit of discomfort that goes with that right like you just kind of put me on the spot right and i i do find that um there are a lot of people today who are really uncomfortable with that yep and i think that is that is that one of the barriers to reading some of these texts well certainly not to reading
1: Uh, well maybe maybe to reading um, or to under uh, unpacking them perhaps yeah even even if you're not in a seminar you don't have a seminar host and it's just you reading a text I mean I think that eventually you need to be asking us questions of yourself and of the text as you go yeah and um, and if you're just not willing to do that then you're not going to get the same stuff out of the Iliad that the person who's willing to, is going to get out of it but you know what that's okay because like i said it's a pretty cool action epic yeah. poem you know it, it's one it's the best of those so if that's what you're getting out of it um you know and you can read i think it's in book six hector and Andromache in the apartment you know arguing about whether he should go back or if he should stay with the family you know it's a tearjerker. jerker you, know, you, you don't have to dig into what is war to get a lot out of these things
0: yeah yeah Well, on that note, and I I, I guess no surprise, we're probably not going to finish the conversation about the great books here and the time that we have. but um, what are some good places for people to start? If there's this nagging sense like I am ignorant of this big pillar of our of our culture or, or whatever, and there's this gap in my education, where, where do you usually point people to get started so they don't get discouraged?
1: Well, um, they can certainly join us at online but man, i tell you the best thing is if you can get a group together in your home, it, it really is. And so if, if this is something that you want to do, of course the books are cheap. Used bookstores are full of them. The library has them. Um, a lot of these are on Kindle for free. Um, I would recommend that people start with Mortimer Adler's book, how to read a book. um, most of the time we, we read for weird purposes, you know, we're reading a blog post and just trying to get the high points out of it. We're reading something cause we know there's a quiz on Friday or we're flipping through a technical manual just to get the chunk that we need to do our job, you know, and this kind of reading's different. And Adler, Adler shows us how it's different. And, and, and that book is very helpful. It has in the back of that book, it has his list of the great books, which is a pretty darn good list. We've added to it some and subtracted a tiny bit, but it's a very good list. And um, if you called up three or four or eight of your friends and said, "Hey, I'm putting the coffee pot on Thursday. Why don't you guys read page one through 184 and how to read a book, and then we're going to start off, you know, and we're going to talk about it," um, you'd be well on your way. Um, and then, uh, then after that, uh, you know, find your way. We, we read them in chronological order. Not everybody does that. I think our way's best. It's not the fastest, but it is the most complete, and I think it's the best way. Um, I have a friend in Australia, Joel, who uh, has a home group, and uh, you know, we took, he's like, man, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not good at being the Socratic, you know, being the host. The, I'm not good at the Socratic method. You know, what are we going to do? Well, uh, Adler has five questions. I think it's five questions. Let me see. Can edit this out or not. Uh, he's got some questions he asks in his book. Oh hell! Uh, that he says that you should when you're reading when you're reading critically that you should be asking. You know what? What's the author trying to say? What are the arguments he uses to support his point? Um, there are th- five. I think there are five of those questions. The last one is what of it? Because uh-huh. you know, sometimes you see that the author makes his point, but who cares? You know. Uh, and in uh, and Joel's group has decided that they are going to use that format every time. Um, you know, and so if, if you're if you're going to if you're going to take a book like uh, the Odyssey, and Adler asks us after a careful reading, Adler asks, can you state the unity of the book in a paragraph or so? sometimes for some of these darn books, man, it can take five, six, seven, eight of us that love each other very much and are not in conflict two or three hours to get it boiled down to a paragraph. And that sounds kind of silly, but if, if, if me and you and four of our best friends sit down for a couple of hours and discuss what a one paragraph summary of the darn book should be, I guarantee you at the end of that, you're going to know more about the book did when, than did when you walked into the meeting. Yeah. So, you know, you might take turns being the Socratic host and do the thing like, what is war like I did? Or you could maybe take some of those questions, those inspectional reading questions in the Adler book, print them out, laminate them, use them for bookmarks. And then every, you know, what is it, the fourth Wednesday of the month, you guys are going to answer those five questions or whatever about the text that you used. Uh all of that takes a lot of work. Hosting the meeting takes a lot of work, you know. Getting the, making sure that the kids aren't in the way for two hours on a Wednesday night, all that, and you know, if you have trouble with that, by golly, we're here to we're help, here to help help do that. Um, I, I bet that a third—that's probably a little high—twenty or twenty-five percent of our members at Online Great Books are members and do seminar with us, and then also have a home group now too.
0: oh very cool so one kind of leads to the other yeah excellent well scott it's it's um it's great talking to you picking your brain um what what i love about this is that you're coming at it not not as a guy who studied classics and has speaks four languages although maybe you do uh and i I, know three phds
1: (laughs) experts are bullshit (laughs) books these books are very very general and relatable. I mean, they are actually about life. They don't belong in colleges exclusively. You know, if you've got kids and <laughs> they're fighting over a candy bar, you know, what's justice? You know, if you've got a four-year-old and a 14-year-old, do they get the same size piece? Well, the four, and it's a king-size candy bar. Maybe half of the candy bar will make the four-year-old sick. You know, watch justice. Like this stuff really matters at all levels. It's not for experts. They have really screwed us by convincing us, they, whoever they is, mm-hmm. we have been screwed by being convinced that this is the province of experts, because it's just not. All the stuff matters to us every single day.
0: Well, and it's all and, it all gets back to that that conversation, which is really just a conversation about
1: life and how to live a good one, right? It's about what matters. Yeah, it's, it's about, about what matters. Yeah. And, You know, you people, you you people can do this. Almost every month, I get an email from a new member at Online Great Books who finishes the Iliad, and they say that's the first book they've ever read cover to cover. It happens all the time, Hmm. and I get choked up almost every time I get one of those emails. You know, uh, and, and and they're not who you think they are. You know, most of these people went to college they're like, oh, this is the first book I've ever read from page one till, till it said the end. Wow. And thank you so much. You know, um, that's a that's a crying ass shame. You know, if you can go if you can go uh, be a master electrician and go through all the education and training it takes to do that and have not read a book from cover to cover. If you can go to nursing school and not read a book from cover to cover, if you can get a microbiology degree and not have read something important from cover to cover. And then you know, not just get those that kind of training or education, but get to 35 and having not done it—that's terrible. They'll binge yeah. watch whatever, but they won't binge read. It's, 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 I'm, I'm well, disgusted.
0: and I can I, and I can tell you from personal experience. I mean, that was the actually the one that I started with, and it wasn't the first book I've read cover to cover. But I'm a very auditory person, so I I find it very difficult to sit down and read. And there was a tremendous feeling of accomplishment when I finished it. You know. You I, I felt like I'd climbed a mountain or something. And and I and I, I felt like I could look at myself a little differently and say, you can do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: and I, I love your approach that it's not read the first 12 chapters, it's read 30 minutes a day. Why Why does that work? And how did you land on that?
1: Last question. Because almost, almost everybody can find 30 minutes, you know, whether it's you're in the toilet or in the parking lot, whether it's your lunch break, it's something almost everybody can find 30 minutes. And uh, even with our collapsed and broken and crippled up uh, attention spans, we can normally get through 30 minutes. Uh, so some months we're reading something fairly easy, like the Odyssey, and we'll read a lot with that 30 minutes a day. We get a lot done. And then there are other months when it's Aristotle's metaphysics, dude, it's three pages. It's, it's three, four, five, six pages an hour. And it's okay. It's okay. Because that's, that's what that book requires. There's nothing wrong with that because that, yeah, that's what it requires. Uh, so you auditory people. I think that uh, reading, I think reading has a quality uh, to it that makes it better than any other way for, to learn. It lets you pace. Like if, if I was reading the Iliad to you, you have to listen at my pace. But if you're reading it, you can read at your pace. You can go back and read the sentence twice. You know, you can write in the book. There's something about holding the thing. It has more senses involved. Yeah. But uh, I just hate Shakespeare. I just hate it. All the Greek playwrights are better than Shakespeare, by the way. Come at me, bro. Um, Love Shakespeare. I, I sure like. I love Uh, Shakespeare. Have you read Have you read the Greeks yet? I've read some of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's much better. (laughs) But in what in what regard? As because Shakespeare was never his his claim to fame isn't his plot lines or anything like that. It's it's the language, so it's different, right? You have to using a different measuring stick, I think, or you have to, I guess. What?
1: So in what
0: respect do you think
1: they're, they're superior? I'm curious. Um, the, 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 universality of the, the stories, the problems of virtue and all that. And those are so much. Sort of like the central
0: base. human storyline. Yeah. Which is why Shakespeare yeah. cherry picked most
1: of those. And I, you know, and me just being the kind of guy I am, like all that interpersonal drama, I got plenty of that. I don't need extra from fiction, <laughs> uh, but, but for some of these texts, the really sticky stuff, the stuff that's hard to get through, man, I, you know, if you can find an audio book of the exact one you're reading and read and follow with your finger and listen to the thing, huge, huge help. Yeah. Huge help. Deal. So if you're having, well, you're having uh, a lot of trouble I mean so many the of these texts
0: were meant to be read out loud, right? Yeah. I mean, I, that was one thing that surprised me was I was, I think I was reading Augustine's confessions and, he mentioned something about how people were making fun of someone because he read quietly, silently. Like that just wasn't right. a thing. If you were going to read, you'd go walk around and talking out loud to yourself, which as, as somebody who's really auditory, that helps me a lot to do that. But it also slows me down because you read a lot slower when you read that way. And which is, I think yeah. why I was just often discouraged in school, because we'd go, th- we'd go at a pace that didn't make that possible.
1: Yeah. You got it. It's all about, you know, cutting the books up to fit inside of a semester or inside of a term. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I, I love the approach, man. It's fascinating talking to you. I love your passion. Um, I appreciate you spending a bit of time with me to dig into this topic. I think it's a one worth thinking about for that, that, uh, that hopefully our listeners can get something out of it and they can find more at online That's, That's the place us. to go. Fantastic.
1: As, as everything is everything gets weirder and weirder. These books are unchanging and uh, are are wonderful. It is a, when you're in one of those books, it's a great place to go for a little while. 30 minutes a day. I love
0: it. Scott, thanks so much.